Isn't it amazing how when we worship in freedom, when we worship and our worship is a balance of the rational and the passionate, as our director of worship recommends, then we truly can experience uh, a worship together as a group, as we sing, as we think of the words we say, as we share, as we see the smiles of one another. I remember uh, when I used to be executive presbyter in South Florida, meaning supervising 29 churches, I used to travel every Sunday I was at a different church. And, and I, how many of you remember Get Smart? You're dating yourselves. I was a little kid. I was told about it. I saw it. <laughs> no. Uh, and Get Smart, those of you who don't know Get Smart, there is something that was called the cone of silence. And when the chief and Maxwell wanted to talk, this cone of silence would descend, and it was never big enough, and it never worked, you know, and they just got rid of it, and they just said what they had to say. But I remember seeing the cone of silence descending, many of them descending, many of these cones of silence descending. When the call to worship was given, people stopped looking at each other in some of these old kind of Presbyterian churches. And, and I said, what is it? It's like something. And then they had what was called the friendship pad. Remember the so-called friendship pad? Uh-huh. Friendship nothing. Uh, b- because the person would get it at the... I remember you had. We had them here. We would put the name. And the idea was that you would read the persons, people who are sitting with you in the same row. And then the last person would send it back and everybody would read it. It never happened. Come on, I was up there. I, I can see. And then, oh, the person ended up writing the name, and then it was just pass back, pass back, quickly, quickly, quickly. And nobody saw each other. Nobody would look at each other. What kind of friend? Yeah, forget it. You, know, you don't have that sound. No, it's not. <laughs> so the hypocrisy of it all, here we are, and, and, and pretending that we are brothers and sisters and that we, we love one another, but we don't look at each other. But that doesn't happen here in Light of Hope. See? Because we, we, we like to look at each other, Right? We, we, we may not gossip about each other as much, but we like to look at each other. So this moment, I want you to look to your left, that's here, look to my left, and smile. Hey. Hey, Rob. There you go. Now look to the right. Ah, Gabby. Hi, Gabby. Look to the right. See who's there. And greet them in the name of Jesus because we're here together. Chip, what's going on with Chip? <laughs> Uh, at the end of the service, uh, those of you who, are, who, don't, who weren't here last Sunday, uh, we are passing out this card. There's some at the end. And every Sunday, in order for us to make our worship M&M, yeah, M&M worship, meaningful and memorable, but we also enjoy the candy. Okay. But we, we basically uh, have passed this out. These are the six messages that we're preaching in Lent, and each one of them has a card. So last week, we passed out the first card in the, in the main card holder. And then today, at the end of the service, please don't go home. Uh, if you're a visitor, let me know, and we'll collect them, and we'll send you the whole set so that you can have a, uh, a, a little souvenir, perhaps, of our series as we continue to preach the Word of God here at Light of Hope and try to make it into an M&M, meaningful and memorable experience. Thank you. If you would uh, look at, uh, with me in the back of your worship guide, you have the Word of God. You have back here. You have both texts that we read this morning. 
I'm going to be reading the Luke text. And, and the series that I'm working with, it's coming out of two basic books. It's a combination of the Psalms along with the book of Luke, particularly the narrative in Luke after chapter 9 when Jesus places His face towards Jerusalem and decides to go towards Jerusalem. He's in Jerusalem already, and he's actually uh, having some uh, fascinating times. He's actually healing people. He's sharing stories. He's healed the blind man in this chapter before we get to this story. Uh, And he's becoming very popular, and people are following Jesus. People are just after Jesus. They want to know what is he doing, what is he saying, who is he healing next? And then here we join the story in chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. Listen to and for the word of the Lord. At that time, some Pharisees said to him, Get away from here if you want to live. Wow. Get away from here if you want to live. Herod Antipas wants to kill you. Jesus replied, Go tell that fox that I will keep on casting out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And the third day I will accomplish my purpose. Yes, today, tomorrow, and the next day I must proceed on my way. For it wouldn't do for a prophet of God to be killed except in Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messenger. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her cheeks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. And now, look, your house is abandoned. And you will never see again until you say blessings on the one who has come in the name of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Jesus is amazingly told, if you want to live, dash, get out of town. Get out of here very quickly. Get the heck out because this guy wants to kill you. Now, it is fascinating that that, uh, in the series that I'm teaching, I'm sharing with you called The Way, A Journey, we are basically studying the, the ways in which Jesus, in which God provides ways for us. One of our texts that we have is uh, the text in Isaiah that says, and God will make ways in, 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 the, in the desert. He will make paths in the wilderness because God is a way maker. This is the second of, uh, of, of, of six messages. The way in the journey is designed for you to learn not only about Jesus, not only about God, but that God provides ways for each one of us to live in a satisfactory manner. I didn't say in a happy, always manner. I said in a satisfactory manner. Because for the surprise of many of us, suffering is part of the gospel. I hear many people wanting that, that, quoting that verse, particularly close to Easter. They like to quote that verse, and I would like to to have the power of the resurrection. You've heard that, right? But there's not a period after that statement, the power of the resurrection. That's a coma. And to share in the sufferings of his death. Oh, we want the first part of the verse, not the whole verse. So we domesticate our Christianity, and we make it a happy-go-lucky consumer uh, American experience. When it is not. When it is not. 
So the ways of God are different than our ways. And many times we, we, we have the tendency, again, like I say, to domesticate, to bring the gospel and make it easy for us to take the gospel demands and shape them and reshape them in such a way that there are not so much demands for us, but it is for the pastor and the leaders only. Mm-mm. So in our sanctuary, we have pathways, pictures of pathways. We have a pathway here to the cross. In the rotunda, we have maps. All these are symbols to create, a, 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 to create an imagery, to create thirst in you, to realize that God makes a way, that there are ways in which we can behave, live a, a, a more satisfactory life, that there are ways in which we can go above our existence and not just live the mere life, but live the abundant life God has for us. You see, we do not choose a life. We live a life. Some of us may say, well, I chose my career. Yes, you did to a degree. But changes came about. And even though we claim to have control over our lives, we do not have that much control over our lives. This life we live can be a miserable, depressing, dark, and frustrating existence. Or it can be a journey of faith. Or it can be a journey of revelation. It can be a journey of adventure. Yes, we go through all these journeys and we go through valleys, mountains. We go through deserts, riverbeds, dry and wet. Oceans, rocky and thorny sides and streets. But the Word of God remains, in which God says, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. So it doesn't matter what wilderness you're experiencing right now, God promises to make a pathway. It's not our pathway, it is God's pathway. And therefore, our desires, our lives needs to fit to be moved into that way which is better, which is more excellent than what we can think of. God goes around things. And, my, and the topic today is the way around. And if you notice the picture of, of that place, that is our own proudful Spaghetti Junction here in Atlanta. That's ours. We own it. Uh, many cities have some things like that. There's many, many of them uh, around the country. But this is ours. And, and the way these things comes about is because we need to make our way around traffic. We need to make our way around difficult situations. And that's a tendency that we have in life. You know, God also makes ways around. Yeah. God figures it out. Oh, he, he, God is aware of things before we are, but he's got the way around. Oh, when we failed and, 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 and we lied and, and, and we basically separated ourselves and broke our relationship with God in Eden, God made the way around through grace and mercy and called us in Jesus Christ. When the people of Israel were enslaved in their sin, symbolically, in Egypt. God made a way around. And interestingly enough, God did not let them through the business routes of the desert. God led them through the ways of the deserts, meaning the dry beds of the deserts. God's way around. Can you think of that? We don't like to go. When we go around, it's because we want to avoid, we want to escape, we don't want to deal with it. When God goes around, God is fixing it. When God goes around the way, God is fixing it. You see, God also goes around with our rebellion, our sin, our indifference, our brokenness, our happy-go-living, ignoring the existence of our Creator. God goes around that and offers forgiveness, offers restoration, and brings people together to help one another. Isaiah tells us, chapter 55, verse 8 and 9, tells us 
Very, very clearly it says that my thoughts are not like your thoughts, says the Lord. And listen to this one. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. I like that. Because if I can imagine it, I'll probably mess it up. Am I alone? Is there an amen on that negativity? If I decide and I work it out, uh, it's not going to work out that well. But my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heaven are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God goes around our sin and brings us home. God goes around our rebellion and brings us home. Jesus also did his way around thing. Actually, Jesus was misunderstood many times because he was doing his thing, not what the people wanted him to do. When he was in the boat with some of his disciples and the storm was raging, one of the gospel stories tells us that he was falling asleep in the front of the boat. And the comment that the disciples said, see, he doesn't care for us. He's going to let us perish. So Jesus was accused more than one time of not caring for the people. Did you know that? Jesus was accused. He doesn't care for us. Second instance was when Mary and Martha were in the house and Jesus was visiting. And, and one of them was very busy. Who was the, the one that was very busy? Mary was very busy and Martha was what? At the feet of the Lord soaking it all in. And the statement from Mary says, and, and, and Jesus did not care about Mary. He did not care about me. The communists made there. So Jesus was many times misunderstood because he did not, according to these two stories, cared for people. Oh, he cared for people. He just did not fall for the petty, manipulative ways of people because he had a higher priority to teach all the people. Think about that. Jesus was also accused that, that, uh, and misunderstood when he's teaching about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is at hand. And the kingdom of God forgives. And the kingdom of God restores. The kingdom of God welcomes everyone. For three years, Jesus delicately, precisely unpacked the entire story of the kingdom of God. And uh, no one got it. No one got it. For three years, he's explaining the difference between this earthly kingdom and the reality that he's presenting of us living in a realm where the politics don't affect us. They don't phase us because we live in a different realm where issues of the where we have the power and we are in charge of changing and bringing goodness to this world. So Jesus went around teaching greater lessons of faith. And he goes the way around to teach them greater things. Oh, the two disciples were complaining, who is going to be greater over there? I want to be to your left. I want to be to your right. I want to be there with you, O oh Lord. The mom got involved in that one. And Jesus does not seem to answer the question because he's, not, again, not dealing with the petty selfishness of people's manipulations, but he's really teaching above and beyond that and says, if you want to be big in the kingdom you got to become small. Mm. I bet that shut everybody up. 
In our text, Jesus is being told to get away. He's creating problems in, in, in the areas around and in Jerusalem. He's creating havoc. He's already claiming his kingdom. He's already claiming that the kingdom of God is at hand. He's already healing people. He's doing things that a normal human being doesn't do, and that creates problems to society. People who love others unconditionally are not good people in society. They are considered weird. Or as they tell me, you're interesting. I was flying back from Seattle, and Beverly had shared a little snippet from something that she saw, I don't know where, but she sent it to me. And the lady next to my seat said, actually I was listening to her, and she had just, she was a commercial realtor, and she had just finished closing two deals, two big deals in Seattle. She was flying back to Atlanta. And that day, you know how much money that lady made? I was calculating with my phone on the staircase as we're going up to get the luggage, because I wasn't going to do it in front of her, obviously. She made $166,000 that day. Not that year. That day. So when she left, I said, uh, uh, be good, be safe, stay cute, and share the wealth. <laughs> and I gave her one of my cards. <laughs> but she asked me, what do you do? Because it was obvious she sat there and she closed the deal. She's telling her boss how much the deal closed. $3.7 million, and I get 2%. 2%. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't make that much. So she said, so what do you do, she said. Hmm. I said, well, I work for a worldwide network of people who transform lives. We take care of people from birth to death. We actually help the sick. We build hospitals. We create universities. We educate the, the, the poor. We give food to the hungry, water to the thirsty. He says, wow, where do you work? The Church of Jesus Christ. Oh! There's a way around to not be scorned of who you are. There's a way around. We've done a lot in this world, and we got to claim it, and we got to be proud of it, and we got to do more of it, actually, okay? Because that's the way it goes. We go the way, they criticize us. They crucify the church, and we go and build new schools, and we go and open hospitals, and we go in missions, and we go and help the sick, and we go and pray for the poor and help everyone who seeks the word of the Lord. Jesus went around his accusers. He's presenting the kingdom. And Jesus goes the way around their unbelief. And three days later after his death, he blows it all out in that resurrection morning. See, Jesus went around. Jesus goes around the ways in which he continues to do miracles. He continues to speak to us today. He continues to be present. See, Jesus understood and did not take it as an offense, the people's hypocrisy. In John chapter 6, we have a huge crowd that Jesus fed, probably more than 30,000. And then he gives the statements, how difficult it's going to be if you want to follow him. Pick up your cross. Pick up your die to self and follow me. And they said, what? Uh-uh. And then his disciples said, uh, you know, this is kind of difficult words. And Jesus asked the question, are you also going to abandon me? Because the crowd had left. The text actually says, John 6 says, that the crowd was there because they were being fed. They got their food, but they didn't want to hear about the truth. 
they abandoned me. Are you also going to abandon me, said Jesus. And Peter replied, oh no, Lord, we can't abandon you. Only in you we find words of life. So we live in this tension. Oh, not that one. So we live in this tension. We live in this high wire act kind of, where we have our ways, where we can figure out our ways, but on the other hand, God has God's ways. And we live in this tension. How do we know? How do we know? Well, let me give you some tips very quickly. Hanging out with God is good. How do we surrender? How do we yield? How do we seek? How do we follow? How do we hang out with God? It's simple. Here on Sundays, we hang out with God and one another. During the week, we hang out with, listen to this, the Word of God. Somebody last night asked me, who was the, author, the, the writer of the Bible? And I gave him the half-hour lecture on it, not the hour. And he was more confused, but more surprised and more inquisitive about it, which was amazing. You see, the way around from our negativity and self-destructive behavior is God's way that offers hope and faith. The way around our, our tendencies, the way around our failures, the way around our pain is basically to receive God's grace and mercy and walk from there on on God's way. The way around our brokenness and the obstacles that face us in life is God's ways of restoration and community. So life is a journey. We don't live a life. We live a life. We don't choose a life. Life is a journey from point A to point B. What is point B for you? The grave? Well, I'm sorry. It doesn't have to be. Point A is the grace and glory that we were given life. And point B is the grace and glory that we will continue in life with God, with our loved ones. Psalm 16 tells us very, very succinctly how to follow the way and the results of the way in which Jesus wants to lead us. You will show me the way, says the psalmist, of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Me mostrarás la senda de la vida y tus placeres serán junto a mí por la eternidad. You will show me the way of life. Grant me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of your joy. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you that you create a way in our lives that we don't always have to go the way other people tell us, that we are not actually what other people tell us, that we are what you say about us, that even though our significant others may say you are never going to add up to anything, you will never reach and be able to do nothing in your life. God has a way through God's mercy 
and God's grace, we go around that negativity and we, rest- and we are restored in God's power and God's identity in Christ. We are God's child in whom God is pleased with us. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you for Jesus who taught us so many great things and who lived a life that we could follow. We thank you, God, that he taught us to say together this beautiful prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.